over the last several weeks, we've been talking about the concept of prayer and how it impacts our lives. And if you remember all the way back to the very first week, we talked about those images that were popular in the 90s, the auto stereograms, where you would stare at them and let your eyes just become unfocused enough that a 3D picture would come out from it and it would come to the surface. And it would be something that you had to look behind almost the image in the front to be able to see it come forward. What we've tried to do in moments over this series is to bring that picture of what prayer is to the front. And part of the reason that I felt led to do this series is because I think that prayer is one of those subjects that is either really intimidating to people, really guilt-driven for people, or something that they think we have figured out. Either it's something that seems like it's hard to grasp and get into, and how would I do that? Or we know we should be doing it, we just aren't, and we feel horrible about it. Or it's something that we have naturally kind of taken to, and we think we've got it worked out. What I wanted to do, or what I felt God calling us to do in this series, was just to look and say, what is the picture of prayer that we are supposed to to see. And so today we're going to finish this series with a little bit of a different kind of sermon. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Now Mark chapter 4, we're going to read a parable that Jesus gave, one of his shortest parables. It's in a time when he is just giving parable after parable after parable. We're going to talk about what that process looked like for him in the kingdom of God building, and in turn, what that looks like us in prayer. And then we're going to just talk about very practical steps to praying. I want to give you some things to put your, your, your hands around, whether you are someone that is actively praying. Hopefully we can... I can give some, share some things that have worked or that I've read about or that I've seen that could take you to a next level. If you're somebody that does not pray at all, to take that next step. It's really that I want to give some tools so that we can move forward in our prayer life as a church. And then at the end, I'm going to tell you about a really cool opportunity that has already been going on here at the church and a new opportunity that we have here as a part of a church to pray. We've been talking about in this series that prayer is a conversation with our Heavenly Dad where we exchange our desires and helps and wishes for His. That it's a conversation. It's just entering into a dialogue with our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us. We talked about that the word that is used when Jesus says, when you pray, you say, our Father who art in heaven. That that word Father is an intimate term. It's a close term. It's a, it's a term for your dad. For your, uh, it, it means that it is a real relationship. And that that is the premise for us being able to come in prayer to God. And then as we seek him in prayer we are there exchanging our desires our wants our wishes for what he desires and wants and wishes over the past week um, there's been news in the christian world one of the leading kind of thought leaders in christian life one of the leading pastors over the last several years passed away after a years-long struggle with cancer a guy named timothy keller and Tim Keller wrote a beautiful book on prayer. It is thick and it is dense. 
There are a couple of quotes that I just thought go along with what we talked about this week that Tim Keller brought out about prayer. For instance, he says this about prayer, that prayer is both a conversation and encounter with God. We must know the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, and the struggle of asking his help. All of that, knowing the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, the struggle of asking for his help. All of that leads us to know the spiritual reality of his presence. That what prayer does in its essence is, as we express our desire to praise him, as we look to him to find grace in our struggles, as we ask him for the things that we need, in the midst of all of that, what is happening is we are recognizing the presence of God in our midst. It's a conversation and an encounter. He also said this, that Paul does not see prayer as merely a way to get things from God, but as a way to get more of God himself. And over the last few weeks, what we've really been looking at, praying about, thinking about, is how do we, in our personal lives, become more prayerful people in order that we can understand and get more of the God who loves us and cares for us. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus says this about the kingdom of God. But it also applies to our prayer lives. He says, the kingdom of God is like this. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows. And although he doesn't know how, the soil produces a crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, and then the full grain of the head. Verse 29. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. Now I know that you don't immediately read that and think, boy, that is a deep contemplation of prayer. But it gives us a pattern of what prayer looks like. Because he says in the kingdom of God, what happens is there is a time when you plant, a time when you wait, and a time when you work. That there's a time when you are sowing the seed, just like in the agricultural society that they would have been a part of. You and I are more distant from that than any generation that has been in America or in the world. We are less agrarian, less agricultural now here than we have ever been in this part of the world. But planters, farmers, my grandparents, my great-grandparents farmers would know that you would plant and then the point that he makes here is there's a planting season and then there yes there's watering and there's tending but that you're not doing any of the work in that moment that however it happens the seed begins to grow that it grows up you can't make it happen you you can provide the place and the soil and the water and all of that for it to happen but it begins to happen and have to be watching for what you have to be waiting for as a farmer as someone that has a crop is that moment when it is fully grown and ready and then you get to work i think i've talked about before my dad used to talk about going up in a small town in northwest tennessee called halls anybody been to halls halls over there by gates and arp and gold dust um And Halls, they would get, maybe some of you, you can raise your hand if this is you. He used to get two weeks off from school to harvest cotton. Like they would let school out so that everybody could go harvest when it was time. Because when the work had to be done, the work had to be done. Our prayer life can follow this model. 
that are praying, are asking, are seeking the Lord specifically in our request, is that planting, is that putting into the soil, is saying to God, God, here are the needs, here are the people, here's what... Here's what I'm praying for. Here's what I'm asking for. And then as you do that again and again and again, then there is moments of waiting for the Lord to work. And as you wait for the Lord to work, eventually there comes a moment when God asks you to work in the midst of the harvest of what he is providing. And a lot of times we don't follow that pattern. Either A, we don't even plant the seed. We don't pray. We don't ask. We don't go to the Lord. Um, we don't ask him of things. It says in the scripture, we talked about this. You don't have because you don't ask. We don't even come to him and say, these are the needs. These are the concerns. These are the desires that I have. This is what I want for your kingdom and for your will on earth through me. Lord, use me. Use me in the life of these people. And we won't even pray that prayer. But if we pray that prayer, oftentimes we We don't want to do the next step, which is to wait and to dwell and to trust. We want it to happen then and now and right away. God just doesn't operate on our timetable. Can I get an amen there? That we present our request to God, but God knows best. And his timetable is not our timetable. His ways are not our ways. And yet we get frustrated or, or things don't happen. And sometimes what happens is we start to try to work before God is ready for us to do that, before the harvest is ready. If you cut down those plants before they are ready to be harvested, you will get no crop. And what we do, we want to begin to work. Or before we even ask God, not even in the waiting, before we even ask, we get to work trying to fix the problem before taking it to the Lord first. And we follow this pattern of laying our request before the Lord. We say to the Lord, this is what we need. This is what's going on in my life. This is what I need to happen. This is what I want to see. This is how I want to be a part of your kingdom. God, help me to see your plan, not mine. Let me see your will, not mine. And Lord, give me the patience to wait in the midst of this, to wait for it to happen. And then... When it's time, Lord, because sometimes we miss when God says the harvest is ready. We don't go to work. And it's in that process of figuring out what God wants us to do. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about some real practical ways to plant and to wait and to work. To follow this parable of Jesus in this string of parables in our prayer life. And I want to give you, like I said, some some things that you can take home. And and here's what I want to say. I'm going to give several things over the next few minutes. We're not going to be here more than an hour and a half more, okay? Um, Promise you that. Over the next few minutes, I'm I'm going to give you several things. And some of these things may not work for you. Some of these things you may listen to and go, I've tried that, or "Mm, no, don't think so. But my prayer is that you'll find one or two of these things that will help take you to whatever the next level of your prayer life is. Whether that's, I don't even have one, all the way to, I feel pretty robust in what I'm doing in my prayer life. I hope these will help. And the first thing is, sounds simple, but it's something we need to do. The first thing is, Oh, by the way, before we do that, let me tell you about a resource, okay? Because several of the things that have been impacting me over the last few weeks as I've been doing this study is a book actually Noah recommended to me. Um, and it's the book that's here. It's called A Praying Life. And um, Ava came in this morning and saw my book. And she said, Dad, you dog-eared and tore up your book. 
Um, that's the way I read books. So apparently they're not supposed to do that with their library books at school, but um, I, I do it. All right. It's a great book, very practical. Um, Paul Miller wrote it. He's a pastor and thinker. And a lot of what I have in here, if you would like to know more about, like, what does that look like? What does that, that sound like? You can get more out of his book. First thing, schedule prayer time. How many of you here individually or as a family use for your life a calendar digitally, like on your phone or somewhere? All right. Okay. How many of you are old school and you've got a calendar that is paper? All right. How many of you don't use any kind of calendar at all in your life? Two or three. I believe that, Jim. I believe it. All right. But most of us have very detailed things. Listen, uh, my life is busier than it has ever been, and it has nothing to do with what I have added to my plate. I have four children. Y'all know that? I have four children. Um, I spent this weekend moving one of my children to Winston-Salem, North Carolina for the summer. That was an unplanned lengthy drive to take him and to set him up. And I'm proud and privileged of the opportunity to do that. I'm so excited for him. I have two girls that are going to be cheerleaders at T.W. Hunter um, Middle School this year. And I don't know whether you know this or not, but cheerleaders practice all the time. Tumbling, practicing, cheering all the time. My schedule is full. And if we didn't have a calendar app that we used, we would know what was going on. I've got five different calendars, family, church, personal church, another group that I'm a part of that's all on my digital calendar. And what I've discovered is many days, if I don't schedule something on the calendar, it does not get done. And so, you have to schedule prayer. Now, some of us don't like that because prayer is supposed to be natural and just flow. And there is this idea of pray unceasingly through the day. But what I've discovered is if I don't schedule it, it doesn't happen. Not at the level that I need it to. So, on your calendar, figure out for you, morning person, night person, midday person, sometime... Find it. If you're using old school calendar, write it in there. If you're using a calendar on digital, put it in there. Schedule a prayer time. Secondly, if you're having trouble figuring out what to pray, pray scripture. Like, I don't even know how to get started, Pastor. Here's what I'll tell you. If you don't know how to get started, start with Psalm 1. And read it as a prayer, adding your own commentary in the midst of it. In fact, I could tell you, you could take almost any psalm in the psalm book, in the book here of psalms, and read it as a prayer and add what's going on in your life. So don't just read it, but add what's going on in your life. I started to come in here and say, all right, somebody just throw out a Psalm number 1 to 150, and we would do this practice together. And I was afraid that one of you would do a stump the pastor and pick an imprecatory Psalm that was particularly um, angry at a group of people, right? And so we're not going to do that today. 
All God's people said, oh, that would have been fun, right? But let's just take the most popular psalm, right? We've done sermon series on this. We've talked about it a lot over the last few uh, months. Go to Psalm 23. Some of you don't have to turn there because you know it. Psalm 23. Just take it and as you read it, you pray it. And so you could just read it. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Or you could take it line by line and say, Lord, I'm thankful today for the fact that you are my shepherd. That you have guided me, that you have protected me. And Lord, I know that you provide everything I need, but there are a couple of things in particular that are really pressing on my soul right now. And Lord, my, my child has this going on in their life. My friend has this. Lord, I, I want to be someone that trusts in you in every way, but you know worry creeps in. Let me be reminded that you take care of all my needs. Lord, show me those green pastures. I need to find some rest, some peace, some strength and comfort. Lord, I need to be filled Lead me to the quiet waters, the places where you will fill my soul, where you will fill my life, where you will renew me. Lord, today I'm going to be going through this life and I've got this meeting and that meeting and this going on in my family's life. And I've got this appointment today when I look at my schedule. Lord, in those moments, lead me in the right paths. Lead me in the right decisions. Lead me to the right places. Help me have the right conversations. Help me be your witness. And Lord, even when it is the darkest moments, and Lord, you know right now in my life, this is really hard. Lord, I pray that in the midst of that, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Help me to feel your presence. Comfort me in the midst of this. Remind me that you are guiding me with your staff. Remind me that your rod is there for me. And Lord, I do pray. That you would prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, not so that I can be filled, so that my enemies and those that are yours would see how good you are and be drawn to you. Lord, thank you for the way that you fill my cup to overflowing. And I praise you for the fact that you have promised goodness and mercy will follow me. And Lord, thank you for the reality. That I will dwell in your house forever. Almost any psalm you can take. Now, Psalm 23 is one of the easiest because we know it. But you can take almost any psalm that's there and just pray it back to God. Psalms are easiest because they were meant as praise songs. And yet there are some that when it is a particularly difficult day or you're particularly mad at someone, there are psalms for that. In days of overwhelming joy, there are psalms for that. In days of overwhelming need, there are psalms for that. In days when you have blown it big time and sinned in a way that you know has impacted your life, there are psalms for that. It's not just the psalms. Take one of Paul's prayers from the New Testament. Read scripture and pray it aloud. And ask God to move. And as you're doing that, you're going to give praise naturally, especially if you're using the psalm. The psalms are naturally going to give praise to the Lord, adoration to the Lord, asking for the Lord's presence, asking for the Lord's provision, asking for the Lord's protection. 
And then you're going to move into a time when you can't pray for people. And this is particularly from this book, A Praying Life, that he gives a suggestion that I've started using that is transformational for the way that you can think about praying for people. And he talks about using prayer cards. And I'm not talking about some designer prayer cards that you go down to the store or you order off the Internet. I'm talking about buying a stack of index cards. Lined, unlined, four by six, whatever it is. Walgreens stack of index cards. And making index cards, several for your family Maybe for your Sunday school class that you're a part of, maybe for the church in general, maybe for special needs that you know are outside of that. And you just begin to write them out. And you don't write new cards every day. I mean, when you get started, it's a process, but you write out a family member and the things that you're praying specifically for your family member right then. And the cards stay the same, sometimes year after year, because your request, you're waiting on the Lord to answer. So just for example, these are some examples from his book uh, that he has. But this is one that he has for his son. And this is when his son was in middle school. He says he writes a scripture passage that he's praying over and seeking in that. His son's name is Andrew. And then some things that he's praying through are questions he has. How do I disciple him? Um, He's struggling in several subjects. And those were his subjects at the time. Math and reading and science. Um, He he said at this point in his life, he had issues with being completely honest with us. And so he put, put away deceit. Um, He was looking for an extracurricular activity, and he wrote down basketball and track and ping pong. He ended up finding something else that he loved. Friends, good friends that love Jesus, another song down there, and no one walked with Jesus. And he just, he praised that. And so what, what happens is you build a deck of these cards, and as you're praying, you don't have to go through every card every day. But you just look at that card, you pray over those things, and then you move it to the back, and you just pray over it. So he made one for all of his family members, for all of his children, for his wife, for grandchildren when they come along. He, uh, the author of the book, Paul Miller, has a daughter that has special needs, and so her card was different. Like um, One of the things on her card he said was, we could not find a mouse for a computer that she could comfortably use. And so it literally says, find a mouse. He said, I show that to some people and they get freaked out because why are you buying a mouse, right? It's a computer mouse. But then he also had one for um, a Bible study that was a part of that had some non-believers coming. And there was a guy named Brad in there who was on his way to becoming a Christian is what he said. He said, I think I'm on my way to becoming a Christian. So he wrote that and he began to pray. And where should we go to church? And Jane was asking some questions. And so he wrote these particular prayer requests for them and had it labeled as Bible study. And so when he got to that card, he just prayed over those. He was part of a men's group, and so he put this one together, and these are the men in there, and he's X'd out some of the things because he doesn't want to share that with the world in a book. But this is the men's group he's part of. So maybe this is your Sunday school class, and you write your theme verse, and you just write, hey, these are the the concerns that are in my Sunday school class, the the long-term, big-picture concerns, and small. He wants to... He has a verse in the middle, Robert and Ralph and James and Doug. And he just uses those to pray. He said one of the differences, and I've found this to be true in my own life, between prayer lists and prayer cards is prayer lists, sometimes you end up on the back and they're over and they seem overwhelming. Whereas you're doing a card at a time, you're focused every moment. 
So maybe for you, this is something simple you could try. Maybe start with your family. Hey, I'm going to write out one for my family this week. And next week, I'm going to start working towards friends or have a card for someone that doesn't know Jesus or what's happening in my life. And you just begin to pray through those cards. Schedule prayer time, pray scripture, use prayer cards. Here's the next one. And this is part of the waiting. Listen. Listen. Most of the time, when we come into prayer, we're like the ones that walk into a meeting, give our five points, and walk out. Hey, God, here's what I got for you today. Man, I really need this, this, and this. So-and-so's got surgery. So-and-so's happened this. Hey, I know you need that. We need this to happen. Thank you, God. Praise you. Great. See you. Bye. And we don't take time to... Listen and be silent. Perhaps one of the most important disciplines that as Christians we have lost in the last 20 to 30 years in particular is the discipline of silence. We don't like it. We're uncomfortable with it. If I just stopped talking and waited for like two minutes, y'all would wonder what's wrong What's going on? We want to be consistently entertained, distracted. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that I realized, this has been a few weeks ago now. Some of my absolute best prayer times over the last couple of years have been like at two or three in the morning. When I just wake up and you know, experience that, right? You wake up for whatever reason, you're just awake. Everybody else in the house is asleep. You're not going to turn on lights and start cooking some eggs or anything. So you just sit in the darkness. Even in that moment, I have to fight the temptation to reach over to the bed stand and table beside where I sleep and pull out the phone and start watching the phone or look at the phone. But in those moments when it's just me and it's quiet are the moments that I'm able to hear from the Lord. And you say, how does that work? How do you hear from the Lord? I I don't have that all the way figured out. But I know what doesn't work is not leaving any space for him to speak into my life. And so there are times that I ask questions of the Lord and then I stop and I wait. And sometimes thoughts come into my mind and yes, I think, was that me just thinking that or is that the Lord? But there are times in my life when I know, first of all, it is not what I would want. I'm thinking, that may be from the Lord. There are times that I trust him in the midst of just listening. Make sure as you have this times of prayer that you are spending time listening. Next, keep a prayer journal. And I don't mean that you write two and a half pages every day unless that's who you are. That is not who I am. Once every couple of weeks, I try to write what the Lord's been doing, what's happening in my life, what's going on, what prayers I'm currently praying, how he's answered, how he's working, how I'm waiting. Just begin to write that down and store it somewhere. I have prayer journals back to 26, 27 years ago, and it's amazing to see what the Lord has brought forth in that time. I have prayer journals from the times when I was... um, 
when Susan and I were thinking about whether we were supposed to get married and be together for the, for the rest of our lives. And this summer we'll celebrate 25 years of marriage. Yeah. We, uh, thanks. Uh, I have prayer. I have prayer journals from when many of you, most of you, almost all of you know our story that the doctor says we couldn't have any children. And I have prayer journals from those moments when we were praying big prayers that God would provide us with a child, never imagining that it would be the four blessings that we have. I have prayer journals from when we were considering coming to this church, whether this was something God was calling us to do and where God was planting us here. It's always hard in the moment to get a full glimpse of what God's doing. But when you look back, it's easier to see how God has worked all along. Prayer journals aren't so much for the moment, although they are encouragement in the moment by what God's done in the past. And then this is the last part, and it's the last part of the parable, and that is you work your prayers. One of the things that we have to begin to ask the Lord is, Lord, show us when the harvest is here and let us work. And that may not be just the harvest of souls, although that could be a part of it, but how can I be a part of what you're calling me to do? How can I be a part of what you're asking me to do? How can I be a part of answering the prayer? One of the things that's, that's hard sometimes is when we are praying for someone or change in someone's life, God may want to use us to be part of that change, but God will often change us before he changes them. And we have to work it. We have to be involved. It's not just, hey, Lord, thank you for bringing the harvest. Amen. It's now we get in the field and we work and we figure out how we can be a part of what we have prayed to come to pass for his kingdom, for his glory, for his namesake. And so we begin to activate in our prayers. Those are the suggestions today. They're not the only ones. But there's some. And here's what I would suggest for you is to take one or two of those and begin. Don't, 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 if you haven't been praying at all, don't think I'm jumping in the deep end. I'm doing all of these at once. Take one or two that seem the best and simplest for you and begin to operate in them. If you're already doing some of this or you've already got an active prayer life, maybe what's something you can add? If you've got a prayer life that's pretty strong, like how could maybe changing up my routine a little bit help? And my prayer in this series, for this series on prayer, has been not only that we would reevaluate our own lives, but that it would lead to us as a church looking and asking, how do we become a church that is a praying church? Consistently. And I'm not the only one that's been thinking about that and praying about that. I know many of you are. In fact, we have a ministry team at our church that is the prayer team that has been praying and working. They meet every Sunday morning, twice, two different times, to pray for what's happening here on Sunday morning and for the service and all the things that are happening. They have prayer concerns that have come in. We have people that uh, put things on our website and allow our prayer team to pray for them. And they are in the midst of that. And maybe for you, another step in your journey of prayer is to be a part of them. Be a part of that group. I'll just tell you, if you have any interest in that, um, Daniel Shaw kind of helped lead that out. And you can have a conversation with Daniel or me, and we'll point you in the right direction. 
One of the things that they have been committed to is praying for you as a church, praying for the needs on your heart. And so they've actually, something is new today, and you probably didn't notice it when you came in, or many of you probably didn't, but um, just to my left, out this door, if you go out these back doors, and, and if you're walking that way, you turn right, there's a hallway that goes down to what we used to call um, Parker Chapels, now the Parker Suite. And on that wall is a wood fixture that is our prayer wall. And there are going to be opportunities for you just to take a prayer, fold it up, and stick it in the slots there. There's a bench there that if you want to sit and pray. It's the first step of some other initiatives that are coming eventually that will help us becoming praying church. Soon out there, there will be prayer guides and things you can pray for specifically for our church for this month and for this season. And it's an opportunity for us as a church to begin to move forward together in this prayer. My desire is that we would be a people who would fill our lives with prayer. Not because we can't wait to get the answers to the prayers, but because we can't wait to spend time with the God who answers. And so I don't know where you are in that spectrum of your prayer life. But I'm praying that you'll begin to live a life of prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, over the last few weeks, have talked about something so vital to our relationship with you. And Lord, in these moments, we come just asking you, Lord, to remind us again about what it means to pray, what it looks like to pray, what it looks like to spend time with you. And Lord, today as we come to this time of response, I I just ask, Lord, that you would give people an understanding of what it is that you want for them. Maybe just to come down and to spend time at this altar and praying, Lord, for what you have called them to do. Maybe, Lord, it's to come and to to give their, their life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe it's to come and to hear a new word. Or there's a situation, Lord, that they've been trying to work it out on their own. And you're calling them to sow the seeds, to plant and to wait. And so, Lord, we pray in these moments of response that you would just guide our hearts. And help us to come people that are seeking you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.